Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Bay Takes Podcast. My name is Mikey. And I'm Gus. And it has been a long, long awaited break that we have taken from podcasting. Just crazy schedules. Senior year gets kind of wild. Taking a little time off. Uh, we will be back in business and hopefully uploading every week. Um, but to get right into it, this is one of my favorite times of the year for sports, I think. Um, I mean, you just think about the different things that are going on, right? You got the NFL draft. You have the NBA uh, draft slash playoff slash MVP race and March Madness to cap it all off. Plus, baseball is getting started and the World Baseball Classic is going on. So there's pretty much everything. We're also in the middle of soccer season, if you care about that. But um, it's a pretty crazy time to be a sports fan. It's a great time to be a sports fan. And uh, yeah, today we wanted to talk a little bit about both the NBA and NFL draft. We'll start off with some profiles of those top four quarterbacks that everyone is debating about. Um, and then sort of just seeing, you know, what we think about all of them, where their best landing spot would be, stuff like that, and where we expect them to go. And then after that, we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA draft, but more through a lens of March Madness. We are filming this as Kansas just lost in their... Uh, Round of 32 game to Arkansas, so Grady Dick has now been eliminated from March Madness, but he is one of many players that we will try to discuss in uh, the short amount of time that we have. All right, so let's just get right into talking about the top four quarterbacks in the NFL uh, for the NFL draft. Um, I think there's it's pretty much solidified that these four guys are going to go in the first round, probably all in the top 20 or 15, um, and we saw... The Carolina Panthers just trade a boatload of picks and DJ Moore for the first overall pick because they're going to select one of these. Uh, I think they they said they're down to three quarterbacks of these four, um, but it's interesting that they traded so early and they don't even know uh, which guy they're going to get. So let's talk about that first. Gus, who do you think the Carolina Panthers are going to pick at one and who do you think they should pick at one? This is, um, I think the consensus has now been for a while that they're going to pick CJ Stroud at number one. Um, I think as a, like, I think when you look at all of these guys as prospects and you think about the guy who you are uh, least likely to miss with, I think Stroud feels like the best pick for them. Now, like when you're trading all this stuff, it was a first this year, a first next year, a second this year, a second next year and a star wide receiver one who's like a top 15 guy who's definitely That's worth a, a first round pick because yeah, so it's by the way like Chase Claypool but from the Bears was traded <laughs> for a late first round pick so now you're thinking of a guy who's a top 15 wide receiver who's had uh 1000 yard seasons over and over again with terrible quarterbacks 
he's easily worth a mid first round pick. So they basically traded three firsts for this number one overall pick. And, and to to note that it's really two firsts and two seconds to move up eight spots, which is the most important eight spots in the draft. But that's still something you should consider when thinking about this trade. Now, um, the trade is, I guess, relatively old news at this point. But I do think that if you're trading this much, you kind of have to have a like a bang pick. If you draft CJ Stroud and he might have the highest floor of these guys and he is just his floor, I think it's like I would rather uh if I'm making like this huge splash, make a ceiling push. Um and that would be Anthony Richardson. <laughs> um but I just think that the way this draft shakes out, I think they're likely to take Stroud. Um but I'm going to play devil's advocate here because I think that the Carolina Panthers should take Bryce Young number one overall. Um, I get the size concerns. He's, what, the smallest guy to be going to be drafted in the first round since 2006 or something like that. But in college, like, I understand that basically the way this stuff works is you have your, like, top couple quarterbacks and the guy is... Anthony Richardson, for example, is probably projected to go, like, mid to late first round. And then all of a sudden all of this media stuff starts and he's an incredible athlete and you go back and look at all the tape and like, I don't want to be one of those guys who thinks, who's going to say, oh, he's a low completion percentage. You shouldn't draft him. But I do believe that a lot of the stuff that happens when they're not playing football in like the, whatever it is, the, the three or four months between the, uh, you know, the, the end of the college season and the draft, a lot of this stuff happens and you're really like, they're not changing very much as players. So really, if I'm making my evaluation off this college season and last college season and just like the stuff that I've seen, Bryce Young's the best guy, and I don't see why he can't be an elite-level quarterback. He's shown incredible pocket presence. He has maybe the smoothest release of any quarterback I've ever seen just as an incoming pro. Um, And the the question is literally only his size. If he was 6'3", every analyst says take him number one overall, and it's not a question. But, dude, in in, in the last two years, he's played 27 games in college football, okay? By the way, out of a possible, what, uh, 29? So he's been healthy for the most part. He got knocked up a little bit this year. He's 79 touchdowns to 12 interceptions. So... I just think in the toughest conference to play college football, when you're looking at a guy, why can Bryce Young not succeed at the next level? I would take Bryce Young number one overall. What do you think, Mikey? I think it's super interesting because I agree with you. I think Bryce Young was easily the best college quarterback out of all of these. By production, it's not even close. And he has this kind of instinctual playmaking ability that none of these other guys have. A lot of analysts would say he has like the it factor it's something that's like not measurable um and it's because he has like a very good sense of like a pocket presence kind of where he knows when guys are around him he knows when he has to make throws and that's just something you can't really teach quarterbacks so he kind of has this like extra extra attribute that's just not teachable however i disagree when you say that you know he didn't get injured in college and he's um, small, but, you know, he'll he'll find a way to get around it. I think that it's easy to say that because he did it in college, but every single quarterback who is his size, who is drafted high, guys like Kyler Murray um, and other uh, other like running quarterbacks that were smaller, even guys like Russell Wilson, right? Russell Wilson was huge. He was like 220 pounds or something like that. 
Bryce Young ate his way to gain another 20 pounds for the NFL Combine. He's going to be playing at 180, 190 pounds. There's no way he plays at 205 or whatever it was. Tyler Murray plays at around 210, 205, and he gets injured every single year. The only anomaly is Drew Brees, who just got the ball out super fast, um, and he plays nothing like Bryce Young. So I feel like the injury history is not or the injury risk is not worth drafting Bryce at one. However, I think he he still could be an amazing quarterback. This the question to me becomes between Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud. I think Anthony Richardson is probably the weirdest uh, quarterback in this entire draft because he has a 100th percentile 40-yard dash, a 100th percentile vertical jump, and a 100th percentile broad jump for a quarterback. He broke the record for two combine um, drills, and he has an arm length of 32 and 3 fourths inches and a hand size of 10 and a half inches, which are both insane. He's 6'4", okay? This guy is huge. If you were to compare this guy to any NFL quarterback, it would probably be Cam Newton, which is really funny because the team drafting at number one is the Carolina Panthers. This is why I think they should draft Anthony Richardson. They have experience drafting guys like this already. They did it before at number one. They can do it again. And I think that when you draft NFL quarterbacks nowadays, look at guys like Josh Allen. I know he's like the worst person to compare to because he's such an anomaly. You draft first. You draft for trait right? College production is not the biggest factor. Trey Lance was drafted at three overall playing what? Half a season or one season? Sure, you can say Anthony Richardson only played 13 games, but yeah, well, look how Trey Lance trade. turned out. He got injured twice. <laughs> you can't, he hasn't done anything yet. He, got in, he like broke his ankle because uh, a terrible call by Kyle Shanahan and the other season he didn't play because of Jamie Garoppolo. But um, what I'm getting at is he has all of the traits there. He has insane arm strength. He has insane athleticism. And honestly, they need a home run pick because if you trade all of those picks and you get some, if you get Kirk Cousins, you're not winning anything. And I think drafting for upside is significantly more important. CJ I mean, Stroud is my favorite quarterback in this entire draft because I feel like he can run and he has the instinctual playmaking and he can throw the ball deep, et cetera but I just don't think he's as much of a unicorn and somebody who could be the best quarterback in the league like Anthony Richardson could be. I mean, uh, I'm in agreement. with. I, here's what I think, right? I think that, I mean, you you kind of just took the other side of the other half of my argument to the next level, right? Because I'm trying to say like, if you want to have the best chance of making this trade like worthwhile and not looking back and being like, well, we only drafted like a, the 18th best quarterback in the league, number one overall, like that's a failure to a lot of people, right? If you're trading all this, you have to end up with a high-end quarterback. Because if they wanted that, they could take that at nine. Exactly. So what I feel like- Well, actually, I don't even know. I couldn't even tell you because all these guys are so good. I just think they could have gotten into like four and not had to give up as much stuff. Sure, I agree. agree. But, or the three with the Cardinals. Cardinals aren't taking a quarterback, right? Like, so that's sort of my feeling, but- if you're moving all this, yes, I think the home run pick is a very valuable thing to consider. I just think that, like, I think people are just overlooking. I think people are trying to find every way. Since the college season, I think people had, before maybe the Georgia-Ohio State game, it was Bryce, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson. 
And then I think that Georgia game, the way Stroud played, they people moved him up and it was kind of him and Bryce. And I think since then they've just moved Stroud and Richardson up and moved Bryce down. And I don't know what Bryce is supposed to do besides just do what he's always done, which is be the best quarterback in all of college football for the last two years. And I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying we should pity the dude. He's going to be a top three or top four pick in the NFL draft. But I am saying that we shouldn't overlook the guy who was the best player of these three in college. That's just my feeling. And yeah. I mean, I, I think we, well, go ahead. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that he could easily be the best of the, of the out of all of these guys. I just feel like, I don't think he's the home run pick because of his because of he's his not. size. He's not the home he's run not. pick. The thing is also, if you think about it as the GM of the Panthers, for the GM of the Panthers, you almost want to take Bryce or CJ because I think Anthony Richardson is so like you lose your job automatically the second that Anthony Richardson doesn't have a few good games in the beginning of the first season, right? If he has a bad first year, I feel like you lose your job. And so to keep your job, I feel like you you draft CJ or Bryce. Which I feel like they might end up doing. But I think like this kind of trade for the first overall pick is a trade that more often than not is going to result in someone losing their job. Like you have to, my feeling is just like, like, yes, I think the Panthers will not take Andy Richardson number one, but I also think that the the reasoning behind taking him, like you said, is just the fact that like, if you don't hit on Anthony Richardson and you don't hit on Bryce Young and you don't hit on CJ Stroud, like all the low end things like it's still a bad trade regardless of who busts if it's any of the three right but if you hit the trade is like if you hit on Anthony Richardson then the trade looks genius because he's a top three quarterback and I just think that like maybe the ceiling isn't there with the other guys so I guess that's what but but the flip side is also I don't think CJ Stroud or like the only way CJ Stroud or Bryce Young bust is an injury I don't think they I, I I think that they're NFL ready and they proved that in college. I think both of them are amazing prospects. And I think both of them could go number one overall in another year as well. I just think that any of them is a good choice. And you just have to figure out the direction you want to go. I just think the fact that like it was the Panthers who traded all this stuff to move up kind of changes the philosophy you might have. But it shouldn't because in reality, you should just take the guy you think is will be the best. And then it's like you don't take it to save your job. Like if you're the Panthers, not the GM you would just try to take the best guy. And that might not be the way that they do it, but um, it is interesting. So here's my question for you is how many, like where do you see these guys ending up? Because we have a pretty crazy um, sort of setup here that all the mock drafts seem to have these guys all going in the top 10, right? You It usually ends up being, uh, Stroud number one to Carolina, Bryce number two to the Texans. Somebody jumps up to number three with the Cardinals and takes Richardson, and then uh, either Levis four, or then they trade back and like Levis goes sometime in the top ten. Here's my question: Do you think Will Levis is worthy of a top ten pick? No, not at all. And I know some people think that because he's like the size of, he's like bigger than C.J. Stroud, and he has all these traits as well. And I know I said the traits thing, but he was so bad last year, like. I feel like he has an arm, but he's not mobile enough. And he's, he's a decent athlete. Yeah, he is a good athlete, but he doesn't have enough to make. Well, I don't see the accuracy at all. And he's just not enough of a unicorn or like some crazy athletic guy that's going to run all over the field and 
win you games with his legs. Like, does he really feel like that? Like, sure, he's big, right? He can throw the ball far. But is that going to win you games? I feel like Anthony Richardson with his legs could win you games. I don't see Will Levis doing that. I just like I, the thing I think is like there's this group of top the top three that is pretty much consensus, right? Those are the top three guys, uh, Richardson, Young, and Stroud. And I think that those three guys, they have something, right? Stroud is super high floor. He's a big, very, very high like level pocket passer for a, for a college prospect who has shown the ability to be mobile when he needs to be in the Georgia game. And just like plays like an NFL quarterback, right? And then you've got Bryce Young, who was the best of these three in college. Let's not try to debate that. And is like, yes, he's small, but like, I think both those guys, like you said, are like NFL ready. Like, it's hard to see them just being bad in the pros. Who do you, wait? You but know, they might of- not have the ceiling that, hear me out. They might not have the ceiling that Richardson has. While Levis, I don't know if he has the floor or the ceiling. That's why I just think like there's a bigger gap than people are saying between those top three and Levis. I just don't know why he's being considered in the top 10. This draft is like not insanely deep, but there are probably eight or nine guys that you are like got to be really excited about. I mean, you got the three quarterbacks we talked about, and then you've got sort of this like edge group, which is uh, Will Anderson. And then I guess Jalen Carter is a, a D lineman, but he's just a defensive monster if the off the field issues uh, keep down. And Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech. And then you've got offensive linemen and a pretty decent corner class at the top. And we haven't mentioned receivers or maybe the best pure player in this entire class, Bijan Robinson, who I, we don't know where he's going to end up going, but I just think that I don't know. It just doesn't make sense that he's going to be a top 10 pick. With Levis, I think he's perfect for um, a sit behind a veteran for a year type of team. And I think that honestly, if I were to, if you were to ask me if Anthony Richardson becomes a top five quarterback, he like where would he need to go in this draft? Where is he most likely? It would be a team like, the Raiders, hopefully, right? Like have Jimmy Garoppolo sit under him for a year with the Niners are trying to do with Lance. Then he becomes a more mature guy. He becomes a better guy in the pocket. And then he, you can, he'll still have his legs. He's not going to lose his legs in a year, but he will become a better pocket passer sitting behind Garoppolo, watching one of the like smartest NFL quarterbacks. So um, I think that would be really good for him. I want to go to the uh, NBA really quickly, though, because um, we've touched, we've been talking about the uh, NFL for a long time. So, this is a very, very cool NBA draft because we have basically three guys who could go number one overall in most years, but because we have the best prospects since LeBron, we have a very interesting draft. So, um, do you want to just start talking about Web and Yama for a second? I mean, I think everything that I think everything we can say has already been said by every analyst and every person. Um, I mean, like I've seen what what frustrates me the most is the people that are like, oh, look, he's only shooting 30 percent from three. Like, yeah, he's a 19 year old seven foot five center shooting mostly like step back off the dribble three pointers. If he was taking it's like the argument. People make with Steph Curry, which is like, like, why isn't like, like, like if Steph Curry only shot good threes, like 
normal distance open threes, he would shoot like 75%. And it's just like he takes the harder. Same thing with Dame. Like he just takes harder shots. That's what he's doing right now. He's he's practicing and making a lot of mistakes and going through all this stuff because when he gets the NBA, like you, he doesn't want to have to make as many mistakes. He's developing. He's on a team right now that doesn't care as much about winning as it does about developing the greatest prospect the b- basketball has seen since arguably the greatest basketball player ever. So I just think that that argument is stupid. And I mean, like he's going to be probably arguably the best rim protector in the NBA from day one, if he can just get a little bigger. And then the question is like, I mean, he can handle the ball at seven, five, like what else are you going to say? I mean, like there's but no why, argument. Why does he take six threes a game though? It feels really weird to me that someone that big can't, it just like scares me just a little bit. That someone who's seven five or seven whatever he is can't get to the rim and just consistently keep putting the ball up, like and get easy shots. I mean, from I think there's, the I think key. part of it, but here's what I think: I think part of it is just like he was playing in a more competitive league. Then he moves to Mets ninety two, and it's like I think the whole point of this team now is they've got multiple NBA prospects on the team along with him, and it's just like develop because they're not like focused on winning games and and just like you know what i mean like they're not focused on being competitive as much as they are just like we have Wembenyama. yeah we have you know uh what is it bilal kulabali i think his name is or city sissoko i'm not sure if he's on the same team but like all these like prospects on these teams that they're just developmental right i mean that's how it works it's how g league like ignite and that type of stuff works too i don't think that i think he's working on all this stuff because in the nba you know it's so valuable to have that aspect to your game I also do think that he's just not like super bulky yet. Giannis wasn't like throwing his body into guys when he was, you know, 19. Now he's literally the people just bounce off him as he and like Giannis like transformation is, is a one of one thing. But I think that's just the point that people are making. And like the thing about it is if he's healthy, I think the, the, the floor is he gets injured and that's the real risk, but his healthy floor is, just ridiculous because it's like okay he doesn't develop much as a shooter so he's just a seven foot five rim protector who can handle the ball like okay oh no that's like the the healthy bust scenario right I just think it's like kind of crazy but I do think we should talk about this this debate at number two because Scoot Henderson has long been this penciled in locked in he would be the best guy except we have Wemby right that's been the you and I have talked about this a lot on and off the podcast, but especially off, we just, you know, Scoot is a very, very high-level point guard pro- uh, prospect who maybe he has struggled shooting the ball, but, like, pretty much everything else he's he's elite or really good at. Yeah, I mean, and Scoot, then you, yeah, wait. We'll go. Yeah, I, I mean, let's just talk about Scoot for a second because I think for a long time he was my number two overall pick. I thought it wasn't close. I think he was everybody's. Um he is basically going to be Eric Bledsoe from day one. Just a huge, almost looks like a linebacker at 6'2". Um, he's huge. And he doesn't shoot the ball well, which is his biggest flaw. He only shoots 27.5% from three, which is pretty terrible. But he does near everything else amazing. He's a great defender. He's long. Um, and that's the thing. He might be short, but his wingspan is almost seven feet. So is he really that short? Because he can still block the ball. He has amazing game sense. He It looks like he's always making the right decision. He's a great passer. Um, and he's also like 
a decent shooter inside the three-point line as well. He's great at getting to the rim as well. Um, I think that he might not be a great um, a great guy that like a team needs to rely on like as a one, but if he has another good shooter alongside of him, he would be amazing in the NBA. Um, no questions. What do you think about Scoot? I mean, look, Scoot is a great prospect. He's he's a really, really good point guard prospect. Here's what I think, though. Look at the NBA right now because, well, you know what? I'm just going to give Scoot his moment in the in the spotlight for a minute. Elite point guard prospect. He's huge. He's a huge six two guy. Like he looks like a really, really big. Yeah, six you would two not guy. know he's six two. You would think he's like a little six five two ten point guard or six five two hundred. Instead, he's six two, like one ninety eight or whatever he is. He plays big, extremely athletic, extremely like versatile and long for a point guard. Great downhill attacker, like like really good athlete, so he can finish at the basket really well. Really good playmaker, not elite, but but a very good playmaker. Um, and people like talk about you know Eric Bledsoe or like he's got the Derrick Rose type of thing. I I think that the way the end that was a voice crack. The way that the NBA, um is evolving right now. You have to look at the at the positional and I know it's a positionless game. But the amount of like guards that that are that good like what is the I've always been, not always. For the last few months I've been kind of skeptical of Scoot at number 2 and locked in on him at number 3 because I just think that by the way the Brandon Miller off the court stuff is just like we're not going to talk about that it's terrible and if he is involved like it's a big problem but if we're just talking about as a basketball prospect because that seems to be the way that people are doing it right now Brandon Miller at you know 69610 with elite shooting good passing solid rebounding good defense like a really like he can finish at the basket basically Great a three flawless, point shooter as well yes a flawless on court wing prospect I mean, I guess he's a little skinny, but besides that, I just think that with a wing player versus a 6'2 point guard, and Scoot is an anomaly of a 6'2 point guard, there's just so much more you can do as a wing. There are so many good point guards in the league right now. Luca, Steph, Dame, uh, you know, Shea or Giddy, whichever one you think, Ja, Kyrie, Trey, De'Aaron Fox, Garland, Drew Holiday, Jalen Brunson, Lamelo. I know he's injured. Uh, I mean, DeJounte Murray is honestly not that good. I don't like him, but I mean, like Kate Cunningham is still, we don't know anything about him. There are so many good point guards and I don't like, like how easy, like it's going to still be really hard. What's telling me that Scoot can be a top five point guard in the next, you know, five years. Like I think he has the potential to be, but the shooting doesn't seem like it's getting like way, way better. And I just think that with Brandon Miller, like you just look at the way that size matters in the NBA now. Sounded a little bad. But the, you know, the fact that he's just like, I just think he's a better prospect because he's just bigger. And like, he can shoot. He does everything well on the court. Not everything elite, but there's nothing I can point to except for maybe the fact he's a little lean. And I just like, I'm not going to be like, He's going to get bigger though. He's like, what is he? He's like, what, 20? 21. He's 19, yeah, he's 20, yes. Yeah, okay, and then also, like, think about the teams who are going to select at the number two or three overall pick, right? It's going to be the Pistons, Hornets, Magic, Rockets, Spurs, It Blazers. could be any, no, no, the lottery now is kind of crazy. I'm not okay, going to gonna be. It's probably going to be one of those teams, right? Almost all of those teams have good guards already, right? So it's like, you know, 
Like, are the Pistons really going to draft another guard? Are the Hornets really going to draft another guard? Are the um, Rockets or Trailblazers going to really draft another guard? Like, a lot of these teams are probably going to be looking for wings because wings are what wins, right? Think about all the teams that are really good in the NBA right now. It seems like all of them have either a really good center or a really good wing. So, um, yeah, and the the only team I think that anyone, well, not the only one, but one of the few teams that people think about as like still a contender, even though how bad they've been this season, and believe me, they've been terrible, is the Warriors, and it's it's Steph because the rest of them, like, I mean, yeah, Luca and Kyrie, but like. No, like they're Luka's not that good. And they're, they're terrible on defense, too. And that's the Luka, thing. It's like, yeah, Luca's like a six foot seven guy, too. It's like Scoot Henderson is going to be a liability on defense just because of his size, just because I he's wouldn't say two. liability, but he's going to have to gonna target him, though. Yes, he's going to have to be elite, like as just a pure defensive player to get by. Is because the Steph point. Curry is, is, I don't know if he's elite, but he's a very good defender for his size and he's still not a good defender. In the oh NBA. yeah, he's not good just because he's small. Yeah, no, he, yeah. That, that's, it's and, the bottom line. Same thing with like, I mean, I don't like, like even like a guy like Dame or Jaw, I don't think either of them is like a, a really above average defender, but it's like really glaring when the when they're like not a big guard. You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, if you're six seven and you're the same level of defender, when I say that, I mean like, same IQ, same like at whatever whatever the things you're talking about when you think about how good a guy is relative to like a Jose Alvarado is a great defender for his size, but when you actually think about it, like it's still really hard for him to succeed on defense when he's just way he's smaller guarding, than all if these he's guys. He's guarding someone like Lamelo who's like what six eight or something. He's or six, six seven, seven. six yeah. seven. Yeah, that's ridiculous. You can't guard someone who's five inches or seven. Eight. Alvarado probably like six or seven inches taller than him like it's just not fair and then if someone like Brandon Miller if he just like hits the gym and does and gets a little bit bigger I mean he's just automatically going to be an amazing and he just like keeps like shooting and um, doing all the things he already does well keeps doing that in the NBA I mean what he's one of the best wings in the league already like would you rather have uh, Chris Paul as a point guard or uh, Chris Paul as a rookie what am I? Oh my God! I cannot believe it's just like Chris Paul, Paul George as a uh, rookie, or would you rather have? I don't even know what is Scoot Henderson. I mean, yes, yeah, Scoot is honestly. We talk about how Wembenyama is crazy to compare. I don't know what Scoot's comparison is. I see he people say Eric Bledsoe. I don't think he does, and that's why I think we're just going to need to see where he ends up landing. But I think the majority of teams that will have a chance at the number two pick would take Brandon Miller, and it's. A lot because, like, if the Pacers jump up, they're not taking a guard. If the Magic jump up, I could see them taking a guard, right? I could see it. But even but though, I don't but think Mark it's Markel Fultz and Cole Anthony have both been playing pretty well this year. I don't think you th- consider Cole Anthony a building block for a franchise. I don't think he's no. a bad player. But yeah, I just think, yeah. like, Scoot versus Cole Anthony is, like, a pretty big thing. It's, like, a pretty big disparity, in my opinion. Um, but they selected I, him at, like, 10th or 11th like two years ago right i mean yeah but at this point in the nba like there's so much there's so much talent that people just i just think you have to think about like if you look at like the top so i, I read you what like 15 point guards that are probably considerably better than scoot in his rookie season like i'm not saying that he cannot be better than a lot of those guys but you look at like the 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 small forward position if you want to call it that and like there aren't I mean, like it's it's sort of like the wing position, but I feel like a lot of the the guys besides Steph Curry, every one of these elite like top seven, top eight, top nine guys is a big 
or a forward, like you said, and they're just like, they might be on the wing, they might be in the post, whatever it is, whether it's Embiid or Jokic, or it's Giannis or KD, Tatum, LeBron, Anthony Davis, um, Hawaii. Like any of these guys are just physically imposing. And I think that Scoot, I just feel like even if Scoot were to maximize his potential, there's still like the fact that he's 6'2". You get what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, yeah, I get so it. That's how I feel. Um, Here's my question for you. We need to wrap things up quite soon. You know, after these two, because, because it feels like this is a pretty consensus top three, have you, do you have any opinions? Maybe you don't at this point on who you think the number four guy should be. Yeah, I don't really have like a clear a clear pick yet. I would also want to see like continue watching March Madness, see what guys can perform under pressure. Um just because a lot of times someone will break out and one of like the top 10 guys that are closer to 10 can have a really good stretch of three or four games and then be a consensus top pick in the draft just because of his performance in March Madness. So I want to continue to watch that. Um, but if you go just bought off of traits, it's definitely going to be a men Thompson um, just because of his athleticism, what he's proved in the G League. Um, and it seems like he's been that fourth guy for a really, really long time since like, the beginning of the year. I don't know. I just think that like after this point in the draft, it feels a lot like this, the NFL thing we're doing with the quarterbacks, which is like after this, there's there aren't guys that have the athleticism or like the traits and the production like the three top guys do. It's all either traits or production. Like Grady Dick has production, but then people are like, he's skinny and like not an amazing defender. And like what I think Grady Dick's great. I think it would be pretty smart to take him in the top 10, maybe like nine or 10 anywhere through 15. I'd be, you know, ecstatic if I got Grady Dick at 15. I think he's a great player. I think his, his shooting will translate. Like there's no debate about that. Um, but I think it's like it's an either or after this. So with Amen Thompson, you just have I don't know about production because it's the G League. You can't really evaluate that. But the traits are there with him and his twin brother Asar. So um, what even this is are... what it is is a comparison. So he's basically just like a really tall shot blocker who's good at uh, attacking the basket and cannot shoot for like at all. Um, his shot is his mechanics have improved. I think the percentages are still quite bad. Um you know, you hope for improvement in that area, but it's just like ridiculous defensive athlete who can guard on the perimeter and inside and is six, seven, and also is like an incredible finisher at the basket who can hang in the air. Like, you know, uh, uh, a Walmart John Morant Zion type of like athlete. That's like what he provides. So, um, that, that athleticism is just something. So, so he's rare Zion you, on a caloric deficit. Yeah. Or jaw who's taller, but just not, like you know it will and and like good off the court i think <laughs> i mean it's like yeah, his team you, in the g league loves him so i mean yeah i don't know i think it's a it gets really interesting after that i'm gonna do a lot more research in the weeks leading up to the draft but that top three just feels like the best top three we've had in like a pre-draft ranking in super long i mean you look back assuming brandon miller doesn't get taken out of there as well yeah yeah brandon miller you got jalen carter you got jaw there's just so much stuff going on right now off the court in sports how about you just focus on you know what i'm not even gonna do it just it's so frustrating because i just want to see these the players succeed on the court and then you know like them off the court now all this stuff is happening so all right um, well we hope for the best for everybody we hope that all of these guys um 
we hope that they a didn't do it and b can clear their name because we want to see these guys on the field on the court and we want to see the best version um, of the nba and the nfl so thank you guys for listening hope you guys have a great rest of your week uh, make sure to follow us on tiktok twitter instagram all of that at bait takes and um yeah thank the next you. one thank you it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.